amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It must have been terrifying to have your teacher show you a movie about how your teachers, if they don't like you, can make you mentally handicapped and then die. Yes. <laughs> like, this seems like a threat. This is like a movie. Like a, oh, like, I can't imagine. Did she turn off the VCR and then turn to all of you and be like, so, who the fuck brought an apple? I'm just saying. <laughs> I'll, I'll lower your IQ by 10 points right here. You just forgot your times tables because I don't like you. How do you like that? God awful movie. 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 Welcome back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because we deserve it. I'm not allowed to say why, but trust me, we just deserve it. I'm your host, No Illusions, and sitting to my immediate left is the chair where Heath usually sits. Unfortunately, he's in the middle of a big move, so he's not going to be joining us this week. But sitting 989 miles to my right is my bad friend, Eli Bosnick. Eli, have you gotten the taste of Ray Comfort out of your mouth yet? I'm doing my best to keep it in there. I haven't eaten or drank anything since Reason Rally. (laughs) I'm I'm desperately hallucinating. (laughs) Let that shoehorn flavor savor. I love it. And sitting in... As far away from me as a person can sit without leaving the contiguous United States as the host of the Mormon Serial History Podcast, Naked Mormonism, the guy who David Michael bailed on on My Book of Mormons podcast, and our special guest masochist, Bryce Blankenagle. Bryce, welcome to God Awful Movies. Oh, that fucking asshole, David. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. <laughs> awesome, awesome. We, we did a lot of that in the outtakes of last week's show, so it's going to be a little repetitive, but that's okay. That's all right. And so, um, I just have to say, you know, thanks for, uh, for inviting me on. This is a great opportunity. And, you know, it was, it was really good hanging out with you guys at Reason Rally. Uh, Noah, you know, it was good hanging out as usual. Um, I would say it's the same to Heath, but he's obviously a little busy. Um, I gotta say, I only spent like five minutes with Eli, but that five minutes forever changed my life. Yeah, you should get stronger, man. You should get strong. You turned your back in the bathroom and everything. Like, I don't know. I don't want to blame the victim here or anything. But I, I'm just saying 20 minutes of my action. What would you say? Five five minutes of my action shouldn't ruin my life. Cut this part, Noah. Cut all of it. <laughs> now, I have to share this with the entire class here. But this is this is a true story, right? I, I met Eli in a group of about seven people there. And there was another guy there with his eight-year-old kid. And somehow, during this discussion, Eli was able to convince this eight-year-old that they'd be doing Jaeger bombs and snorting coke off of a DC hooker's ass by the end of the night. That's true. It- that is Andrew Torres's son. That's Andrew uh, and- Torres's son. Yes. Yeah, let's call yes. him out here. Let's call. <laughs> make sure we call him out. I want to say, by the way, ultimately, we did not snort that cocaine with that kid off of a stripper's ass. It was a totally different ass. <laughs> you beat me to it. Yes. <laughs> so now, unlike our, our last guest masochist, Bryce, you are an actual genuine Exmo, are you not? That's correct. Born and raised in Salt Lake City. Well, just north of it. But yeah, that's me. 
Wow. Okay, so did these movies give you any kind of like crazy flashbacks? Did you find yourself like huddled in a closet at any point? I okay, I have to say uh, the first one I never I never seen the first one, but the second one that we're watching Johnny Lingo, that was like one of the first movies that I ever saw that was like an actual Mormon production movie as a kid. And seeing it again for this time, it was it was like some Vietnam flashback shit where I <laughs> like I, I felt like I needed to drink to make it go away, but the more <laughs> drunk I got, the worse that the feelings got, and then it made me remember the, the that time that I got beat, and, like, it was just a horrible situation. Yeah, this movie seems to be the touchy uncle of Exmos. Like, everybody's <laughs> like, oh, you kidding? Tickle Charles? Oh, fuck, he molested me. <laughs> You're right. Oh, man. <laughs> so I'm gonna need you to go out and buy a bottle of something clear. Yeah, <laughs> nope, the whole bottle's for me. I don't care what you get for you. <laughs> taking the whole fucking thing down <laughs> so now we have already obviously spilled the beans on one of them but we are doing a double feature this week so since he's not here to fulfill this obligation i'm gonna turn to you eli can you tell us what will we be breaking down today uh we'll be breaking down cypher in the snow and johnny lingo uh one is a cautionary tale about kids not being losers because it'll kill you mm-hmm and the other is the third most racist thing ever to happen. <laughs> First, if you count not murders. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. We'll get to it. I don't yeah. know how to describe yeah. it other than that. Yeah, I think I feel like a, a full 45 minute breakdown is the only way we're going to get that movie across. OK, so now it's going to be a different kind of episode in a lot of ways this week, because honestly, neither of these movies are religious and neither of them are movies. We're breaking new ground here. Basically, we're breaking down two educational videos produced by Brigham Young University in what seems like a desperate and misguided effort to project normalcy from the LDS. Right, these are like the short film equivalents of going la di da, nothing weird over here. Just a bunch of regular Christians over here loving our neighbors and not plotting against the government with our eleven wives or anything. Just regular guys. And here's the thing: they they are so close to good messages. Like you can tell, <laughs> this is like the telephone game of good messages right. in educational films. It's like be nice to the unpopular kid and treat women well. But they got funneled straight through the cheesecloth of crazy, and this is what came out <laughs> on the other side. Right. <laughs> you said that so well. It was like they they were so close to conveying like a good heartfelt message that you could actually use, but then they had to pepper in like racism and a. Uh, abusive fathers and and all kinds of really other horrible shit that just kind of didn't you, know, you lost the message by the end of it it's just really fucked up yeah it's yeah. like being told to wash your hands by a grand wizard of the kkk he's like you know germs are a real problem okay, you gotta wash your hands gotta get in between your fingers and i'm just like dude the hood is distracting i'm just telling you what you're saying is right but who's saying it is a problem well but it's more like it's more like if that guy said to you like if you don't wash your hands you'll turn black right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly he like had a, a, a white guy who washes his hands and a black guy who doesn't and they kill and drag the black guy behind a car and they're like see wash your hands and you're like whoa there's oh, God. So, <laughs> so much around that that i want to talk about and they're like what you don't want to wash your hands and i'm like i do but this is so upsetting for me <laughs> all right so i'll tell you what let's set johnny lingo aside for a second we'll do a separate little intro for it in the c segment and let's talk about cypher in the snow is there anything that you guys want to nominate this one for being the best at being the worst at okay can we go for worst k 
characters talking about a dead child. Oh my god. They, as we will learn in this movie, and I have so many notes on this, they talk about this child who has passed and is no longer among the living. So vitriol- people are nicer about Hitler. They're just like, oh, the little loser? The little loser faggot? Yeah. Yeah, no, he's dead because he's a loser moron asshole. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Right. Right. He wouldn't be so dead if he weren't so fucking stupid. <laughs> a lot of that in there. Now, I also should say, okay, so if you went to public schools in the U.S. and you started grade school in the late 70s or early 80s, odds are really good that you've actually seen this one. This one was apparently adopted as standard curriculum by the NEA as a movie to show first graders, and that's really fucked up for reasons that we're going to get into. But I saw this movie like way back in first grade, and it's kind of stayed there fucking me up ever since. So obviously I'm going to need a stiff drink before I revisit this little childhood nightmare, so we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll break down all the misguided pseudo-psychology that is Cypher in the Snow. Is that why you make Lucinda dress as a principal? <laughs> With two movies so very close to good messages this week, we thought we would give a shot at making some Mormon short educational films ourselves, and we wanted to share a few of our ideas with you. For example, share your cookies or ass cancer will turn your friend inside out. Cooking is fun for the whole family. Human sacrifice is not. Look both ways before you cross the street or piranhas will eat you. I raped you because you're the prettiest. <laughs> Basically the second movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Quick reminder, if you are a patron, by the time you hear this, you'll have noticed there's a brand new poll on Patreon for you to vote for this month's bonus extra movie. The choices are Now You See Me 2, Ninja Turtles 2, and the final movie in the Matrix trilogy. So if you've been waiting for a chance to punish us with your very own personal brand of awful, you can go to patreon.com slash godawful to cast your vote, and please don't choose Ninja Turtles. Please. Pretty please. And we're back for the breakdown, and we're going to start off on a snowy winter morning at a bus stop where all the kids are saying the word yeah a lot and playing hand slaps. Okay, that game, that is that called slap hands? What is that game called? And when we called it slaps when I was a kid, and I just want to say I would fuck those kids up at slaps. Well, and they're playing the fucking pussy version. Like, I played bloody knuckles when I was a kid. We didn't fuck around when it came to that slaps. That was the kid whose dad didn't have a job. He always wanted to play bloody knuckles. Everyone else was having a fine time playing slaps, and then your pill-not-taking ass would be like, who wants to throw a quarter at each other until we bleed? And we'd be like, no, man, no. Go outside and smoke, even though you're 12. And you'd be like, all right. I'm going to fight a teacher in a year and a half and you'll never see me again. Yeah, I know. Get out of here, Bryce. Get out of here. That, that's, that's what happens when you have a uh, a father that, like Cliff does, it's, uh, you know, Uncle Buck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts to weep. We spend the whole podcast Mark Marining him. Hey, man, we could get back to the breakdown of the movie. That sounds... No, I mean, I get it. That sounds real tough. Whoo! <laughs> Is gonna edit down. It's <laughs> gonna be like eighteen minutes, and we see the kid standing all by himself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I immediately assume, as did everyone else, based on their notes, he's a school shooter. He's gonna <laughs> shoot up the school. I had him as alternately as Dylan Roof, Eric Harris, and Dylan Klebold in my notes. So yeah, yeah, oh, I, see, I he's got the same Dylan in my notes. So that makes sense. <laughs> and all that I said in the notes was a fucking Utah weather. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's awful snowy. So the bus shows up. All the kids get on. This one kid who was standing by himself and not playing with the other kids gets on last. Um, nobody wants to sit with him, so he has to kind of sit all by himself. And so basically, we're just really reinforcing the this kid has no friends motif. Oh, and music note, someday Columbine will ruin the music note for this movie because <laughs> it's like, dunna. <laughs> Done. And you're like, oh man, that kid, that kid has his dad's gun in his coat. That's why he's standing away from everyone else. Can't pay slaps if a 49 will fall out of your pocket. That's it. So also, we meet who's going to be essentially our main character here for a really bizarre way. Um, this is Frank and he's like pulling out behind the bus driver. Uh, he's going to be driving behind the bus that all the kids are in at this moment. And we actually hear like his thoughts where he says, just one time I'd like to beat him to the school. And there will never be a reason why we had to listen in on this guy's thoughts. There will never be a reason why we had to be introduced to him in this way or anything. Just some random shit that didn't get edited out, I guess. And if you're wondering what Frank looks like, okay, here's what you need to do. Imagine some 70s bush. Now imagine the guy licking it. That's Frank. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I believe I had him as Alan Alda's stunt double here. <laughs> Bring in the stunt tongue. The stunt tongue. <laughs> see, my uh, my music note here was, we're about to see a bunch of dead Christians with ketchup all over them. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they only had, the, apparently back in the 70s, they only had the one guy doing music for Christian movies. So the, the kid that was standing off by himself, Cliff is his name, he stumbles to the front of the bus and he t- says to the bus driver, he says, I'm sorry, I got to get off. And the bus driver says, but you're going to school. So I wrote the Eli Bosnick story. It's true. So. That was a true story. They had a word with my parents several times. <laughs> Didn't help. And my parents just found out about it. It and made it worse. I, I want to say, here's how <laughs> fucked up this movie is, like how deeply ingrained this movie is in my mind. I remembered the bus driver's accent when he says, but you're going to school. I, <laughs> even that was like seared into my brain. Well, what's so weird is he's like, I got to get off. And the bus driver's just like right here in the middle of this snowy valley. And the kid's like, mm-hmm. And he just does. Yeah. He just lets the kid off. And he starts to wander out into the snow until he drops dead. <laughs> Which takes only a second. Yeah. It's like, yeah, three steps. And then he's got like club foot for a second. I'm like, whoa, what's wrong with his foot? Oh, there's everything wrong with his everything. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> and I just want to say, I, I appreciate this movie. They did not make us wait for the dead kid here. Like, Saturday's Warrior, you had to get into the third act. You had to make it through 12 songs. This movie, before the title screen, Dead Kid. So again, for those keeping count, two for two on Morbin movies and Dead Kids. Yeah. Two for two. Just throwing that out there. Just wanted everybody, for those keeping track at home. You know, he he kind of like took two steps, but then he fell seriously face plant into the snow. Like this actor, you got to give props to him for committing to the part, right? I mean, he just went straight face down. And my note was, was that snow flying everywhere or his dignity exploding out of his face? Yeah, no, he went for it. He went for it. And I love to, okay, so Frank, who was driving behind, jumps out of his car, runs up, and the bus driver jumps out or whatever. And the bus driver says, he's dead, isn't he? And I'm like, why would that be your first assumption when he's a kid fell down? <laughs> That's right where you go. Like, can I take him in the back and fuck him now? He won't feel it. But then I, I had basically the same note you had, which is like, well, I was going to let him wander out into this frozen, icy plain of Utah by himself. So he's going to die one way or the other. Best he just get it out of the way. Right. Exactly. Well, the other thing is he, that is his first assumption. So that brings to me how many times has that bus driver been wrong? How many times has a kid tripped on his way to the bus and been like, Ugh, and he's been like, he's dead, isn't he? No, man, he's getting up. Oh, all right. Just checking. 
I don't know if you know this. Last winter, I was right about that, so I just say it now. I'm just he's dead, isn't he, dude? I'm just sitting down. Are you dead? You look dead. It's like he's got a deal to bring bodies to the morgue or something. Um, so yeah, now we get the ambulance, or maybe it's the Ghostbusters. We're looking at it from inside, so it's hard to tell. Yeah, it has. Okay, now Bryce. You are from Utah. Do they get special monotonal sirens in Utah? This was the weird, or was this, they just didn't have the siren technology of today yet? Cause the siren's like, wow. It was like a tornado siren. I think it was like driven off of the motor of the, the ambulance. Cause when it comes up to a stop, yeah. it goes like, <laughs> and I also love to, so when the ambulance shows up, all the kids are gathered around and I'm thinking no one's making any effort whatsoever to segregate the kids from the dead bodies. Come on, kids. You don't get a lot of chances to see dead people in the snow. Take a good look. Gather around. Watch the light fade from his eyes. That's where the soul is. <laughs> Watch it go. Watch it go. You see that? That's surprise that there's nothing that comes next. <laughs> is, is anybody going to lick that blood off of the side of his mouth or is it? Can I have it? It's mine. Right? It's mine. <laughs> Speaking of which, by the way, did, did either of you guys notice like what a lazy shit the EMT was about his CPR? <laughs> like he just kind of like basically leans against his chest twice. The actor's going like, I'm not kissing the fucker. I'll lean on his chest, but I ain't kissing him. Man. And. This is just a side note, but if you look in the background when they first pan around to the crowd that's gathered around the kid, there's a bald Louis C.K. with a Hitler stash in the back of the crowd. Well, I shit you not. Go back and watch The it. whole crowd looks like you took acid and watched an episode of Hey Arnold on Nickelodeon. Like, there's just... Everyone's an upside-down cartoon version of a fruit. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> It's like you watched a Christmas story while going insane. Like fucking Medea killed her kids and then watched a Christmas story is basically what this movie looks like. Just everyone's glasses on top of glasses on top of buck teeth on top of flesh that you can see peeling away at the seams. It's like fucking they live, but you're always wearing the glasses. <laughs> So now I guess uh, all the drama's off there. They they load the corpse into the ambulance and drive away. Um, and so and then we cut to the school where uh, the principal is trying to figure out what happened. And apparently, no one in the school even remembers that this kid exists. They're all like, "What the hell? Who the hell? What's, what's this cliff? Is we do we have a cliff? Did yeah. you teach him? I didn't teach him. He's not my I class. Don't, I don't know him." And this is where they can This is a child who has just died. This child is no more, and they could not more be casually dismissing this child and how little fucks they give about him. Just like, I don't know, man. It says you taught him. Did I? I don't They all fucking look the same. He didn't mention anything about dying. Did he say he was going to die? Like, you know, honestly, they're all just little flesh puppets to me. I got to be honest. I don't... <laughs> Well, and it, like, the, the principal too, he was talking to, uh, to the main guy, Frank, and he was like, hey, can you, like, uh, you know, take care of, go talk to the parents? What? Yes! And he, the kid, and uh, he's like, the, he was your favorite teacher, or you were his favorite teacher, mm -hmm. and he's like, like, I helped who? Uh, like, who's, uh, who are we talking about? Oh, the dead kid that just happened? Sorry, I couldn't hear you over the sound of my deafening complacency <laughs> about a dead <laughs> child! <laughs> Well, I love, too, that that's like, okay, so what kind of fucked up job do you have where they can just be like, I know you're the math teacher and everything, but you need to go tell this kid's parents go that he's dead. Go tell the kid's parents what? his kid is dead. What? <laughs> 
And then, and then the principal is like, the board's riding my yeah, ass. I'm a principal. God damn it. I can't be bothered with administrative <laughs> dribble, like telling some kid their parents or telling parents their kid died. Are you shitting me? I've got a board. He literally says, I've got a board meeting. Yeah. That is the excuse to cancel a board meeting. <laughs> oh, hey, ever why didn't you make it to one. a board meeting? One of the kids dropped dead in the snow. Well, and Great. from an unknown and therefore possibly contagious malady. They don't even know what he died of yet and the guy's like yeah but you know we've got some shit to approve you know budget stuff and you know they, you, you can handle it Frank also by the way once you're done telling the kid's parents that he's dead why don't you write up a quick obituary for this kid you don't remember <laughs> what <laughs> fucking you know what? little obituary also do you know how to dig uh, uh, never mind never mind that's too much that's too much I get it sure I don't, it's I don't icy grab it was summer maybe but yeah and then, uh, and then on his way out, he like pats him on the shoulder. Thanks for not being a little bitch about yeah, this right. thing. <laughs> also, and she's going to come up again. So I've got to introduce this character, the secretary Peggy. Her hair is mm-hmm. amazing. Uh. It's like an astronaut helmet, except it's hair. She, she looks like the illegitimate <laughs> daughter that Mary, Mary Tyler Moore kept chained in the basement all those years. <laughs> she basically sat down at her hairdresser and she was like, have you ever seen a sign curve? And the girl was like, say no more. Say no more. And I, call, I called her uh, sugar boobs here. <laughs> and uh, my note was before I, I could picture the principal saying, hey, you got your heels on so I could fuck you on the desk later tonight after that board meeting there. Yeah, yeah. Sugar boobs, <laughs> I'm sure, is what she was called on set as well. <laughs> exactly. It was a it was a better time back. Then. Oh, a better time. So now we're gonna cut to Al from Happy Days, who is <laughs> his abusive father, and this child we are to believe died today. Right, and he has had he has nothing to say but how much he fucking hated that kid. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that that dumb fucking child <laughs> that moron that retard that uh, he could barely convert oxygen into co2 piece of shit child and the woman in the kitchen who's his mother is just like don't no come, come on. on you're a little hard on him like, it's just like <laughs> your kid is dead and she she seems irritated like she's talking about like her favorite tv show this is how anna reacts when i talk about gilmore girls i'm like oh i hate that fucking show and she's like ah eh, come on it's not that bad that's how she's talking about her husband talking about her dead son yeah who died just again gotta say it out loud the same day yeah well right yeah they've learned about that minutes ago and first of all okay on the physical appearances first of all there are zero things this mom would not do for eight dollars and the dad <laughs> I, I i just imagine like the jurassic park guys reconstituted andy richter but they had to use frog dna to fill in the gaps or something yeah he looks like hodor's dad <laughs> and also like <laughs> See, no, no no i i got um he looks like uh Uncle Buck fucked Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's, that's oh, that's pretty close. It's pretty close. <laughs> and also, like, so yeah, but the, and the the guys are like, oh, he was a fucking idiot. Though. That's probably why he died because he was too dumb to tell us he wasn't feeling good. And the mom's like, come on, he's not, he's not, he's not that dumb. And the dad's like, okay, I'm sorry that he's dead and everything, but let's not pretend he wasn't a fuckwit, okay? And the mom's like, yeah, okay, all right, okay. And then she just walks and she's like, all right. Yeah. So, but now to demonstrate that, uh, stepdad has to tell a story about what a dumb fuck the dead kid is. Yeah. To oh, yeah. this random stranger that's walked in to tell him about it. 
And it's basically, and this is where I'm like, okay, this is an anti-abuse movie Mm -hmm. because we see what is very clearly an incredibly destructive, emotionally abusive household where the child walks around in the snow for two hours alone to avoid his abusive stepfather. And then the stepfather screams at him in a drunken rage. And if you're thinking, hey, will the movie address how terrible that behavior is? Nope. Not really. Sure won't. No. It's just like, oh, yeah, that sounds rough. Uh, and the kid says, uh, you know, he comes in holding a stick with some snow on it, right? And Uncle Buck here is like, uh, you know, what were you doing for the two hours out there? Did you shovel the walks like I fucking told you to? And the kid's like, no. And and then he he smacks a stick out of his hand. And I'm like, why didn't you just take the stick from him and beat him with it instead? You can tell which one of us grew up Mormon, can't you? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> just, it's just so clear in this moment. And, and I love, too, that the dad is so incredulous about the idea that someone would go for a walk for two hours. Now, his physique explains why. It's very clear this man has never been for a two-hour walk. But, yeah, uh, he looks like God let Coldstone design exactly one human. <laughs> <laughs> He got pounded out flat on a stone and then balled up with all the toppings inside. And apparently dad's having a beer with his beer. They they, they didn't figure the fact that he was holding a beer was going to be enough to get the drunken stepdad thing across. So he finishes that one, opens another one in this scene. Also, mm-hmm. apparently they were shooting for vampire on a bender with this kid's eye makeup. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to point this out, too. Um, it, was, it was like the cutout was like perfect, like, diddle-loo, diddle-loo, diddle-loo. <laughs> and then Uncle Buck is wearing the exact yes! same clothes he was in the previous scene. <laughs> that is the shirt that that actor and that character owns. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he left the house that day. Yeah, honey, I got a big part in this Mormon movie today. What are you going to wear? Oh, I'm just taking my one shirt, my, my shirt. Levi shirt. <laughs> or maybe it's like Papa Smurf when he opens the closet, it's all just the same red pants or whatever. Exactly. That could be yeah, it, I got too. my jean jacket, my jean shirt, my jeans on, and my jean yes! vest. <laughs> I'm sure there was some denim undies under there somewhere, yeah. So, meanwhile, back in now, the guy finishes the story, and he says, see what I mean? Dumb. And I'm like... Okay, did abusive stepdad just, are we, we're supposed to believe abusive stepdad just told this math teacher a story about him abusing his stepson right after the kid died? Right, exactly, because I wanted so badly to see how he told that story. Yeah. And then I'm like, he looks all sad, and then I'm like, you're an idiot. Fuck you. So anyways, <laughs> you see how dumb he was, right? right. And the guy's like, you know you got to tell that story, right? You didn't have to tell the part where you had two beers and yelled at a child for being afraid of you. <laughs> that was a bad story to tell. Don't tell that story. Oh, that was my eulogy. Should I change it? I, I ain't writing another one. I used up this whole napkin. It just says, fuck that little fag. <laughs> And once again, I have to point this out, will they ever address the abuse? No. Nope. No, it's never talked about. It's just an abusive stepdad and then a complacent mother that looks like Robin Wright, uh, you know, Underwood that had a bad Botox injection, basically. Uh, <laughs> right. And But the question is, is this an anti-stepdad movie? Because what our main character, the 70s porn star, teams to take away from it is, yeah, I mean, once you get married a second time, that guy will always abuse your kid to death. Well, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Um, well, oh, and then of course, like the mom like storms out, and she and he's like, "Hey, where are you going?" She's like, "I'm gonna go stare at my dead kid." He's like, "Well, who the fuck's gonna make my breakfast?" So I guess the moral of this scene is respect the dead or make your own fucking eggs. <laughs> and by the way, that's about as close to a good message as we're gonna get in this movie. Yep. And again, yep, you're like, pretty much. I mean, respect the dead, but that whole thing around it was really upsetting. <laughs> So now, just to underscore just how, like, shitty they are to this dead kid, we're going to cut over to Frank uh, wrestling with the obituary at the office or whatever, and the uh, Peggy comes in. She's like, well, how's it coming? He's like, well, I have that he was white. Yeah. So here are exact quotes from this scene. <laughs> he never did anything or had any friends. Mm-hmm. He was a real zero. Yep. A cipher. That is what the adults are describing the dead child. I was like, don't write that down. <laughs> Do not write that down. And I, I was like, well, they got on all, they hit on all the important stuff, right? He's not black. <laughs> In Utah, that's literally all that matters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they go through his school report and it's basically like first grade, cool. Second grade, cool. Third grade, fuck this kid. Yeah. Well, right, right. Cause Frank's like, you know, there's just something I can't get out of my head. Cliff wasn't always friendless and dead. What happened? <laughs> And then, oh, and I love this. Okay, so he's like, here, look at this poem about frogs that he wrote. And so they enter this as as evidence that he was completely, like, psychologically just fine back in the day. And, of course, we have to get the voiceover of the frog poem. Right. And the frog poem is so insipid and boring that I'm a little bit okay with this kid being dead. Now. <laughs> like before it was real sad, but for now that I know he wrote poetry, this poem, it had to happen. Also, music note for this poem, if I play this flute, all the children shall follow. <laughs> right. I, I I had for music note Silent Night only altered for copyright issues. <laughs> yes, I think you man nailed it right there. So yeah, so while we're listening to this kid read his poem about how he wishes he could jump high like a frog but he can't because he's white we get to see him like playing with frogs in the tree and doing frog hopping in the woods and shit and i have that he sure didn't jump off of that bus very well (laughs) (laughs) it was a failure right up until his death that's what a zero so and but then peggy i guess she hears that poem and she's like well judging by those 18 words he must have been stable and healthy at the time and they're like yeah yeah he must have been must have been something happened after the frog poem that fucked him up right and then we learn that in second grade his parents got divorced and everyone began to hate the child and he lost the ability to learn <laughs> yes mm-hmm. uh-huh yep divorce makes you stupid apparently <laughs> and die <laughs> Divorce yeah, makes you yeah. stupid and die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and again, like they didn't seem to realize that that was an undercurrent of this movie, right? Like ultimately, this movie is supposed to be about, hey, if the kid seems like he's a little off and a little dumb, don't pick on him because he might die or whatever. But the message that they're also sending along with that is if you don't have enough friends, you're going to die. Yeah, you know what this this whole movie strikes me as one of those like anti-vax documentaries where they show you the baby the week before and then they show you the next week where it's crying and they're like, see, see, like if this were if you just swapped in Wakefield being like, and then in second grade he got vaccinated and it cuts to the next scene and the teacher's like, why can't you look in my eyes anymore, right. Cliffy? Why can't you look in my eyes anymore? <laughs> That's perfect. 
<laughs> right. And actually, that's the next scene we get. We, we get him, like, I guess this is right after the divorce or whatever. We see him, like, looking out the window when he's supposed to be doing his schoolwork. And this teacher comes out. Now, first of all, this teacher looks like she's, she should be, like, closing the voting before the big Indian dude raises his hand to watch the World <laughs> Series. Her eyes are different colors and different sizes. She's just creepy as fuck. Mm-hmm. And she's basically, like, trying to tell a kid with special needs to walk it off. She looks like someone got a D on making a Madame Tussauds doll. <laughs> so she's just like, ah, eh, there you go. Fine. It's a person. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, and she's like, she's like such a bitch about it too. She's like, you know that you're like the dumbest, slowest ass that's filling any of these seats, right? So just stop being a fucking idiot and do your schoolwork. <laughs> what? She, she literally says in this, do you know that you're the slowest one in class? Like, who the fuck would say that to a kid? Just, just beat him with the ruler already. That'll make it better. Again, the Mormon. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, she's like, do you know you're the slowest one in class? And the kid practically turns to her and goes, I don't think that's helpful. I don't <laughs> right? think that's going to affect positive change. Thank you for your feedback. And, but he's like, she's like, well, have you talked to your parents? And he's like, they won't listen. And she's like, why? And he's like... They're getting a divorce, and she's like, "Oh, your parents are getting a divorce. Never mind. I'm gonna go help a kid that matters." Yeah, right. Do do. do. <laughs> I'm a teacher. Let's show this movie to kids. Yeah, well, and then, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, she's just like, "Oh, well, there's no helping you now. Broken home. You're fucked." <laughs> Unreal. So, meanwhile, so we cut back from this flashback to Frank, the math teacher, flexing his psychological intuition some more, and he's he's telling the uh, the secretary, he's like. People just live up to what we expect of them. And I'm like, okay, are you saying that people expected Cliff to be dead? Is that I don't see how else to take that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Also, like, what? Okay, wait a second. Just for a second, what are we supposed to assume they think killed this child? (laughs) A lack of hope? Yes, yes. Okay. It's uh, yeah, right. We, we, we'll get to it a little bit more at the end of the uh, of the movie. But yeah, so apparently this kid died of being unloved. Well, and it's like this this Mormon narrative too. Like I gotta inject why this is like Mormon so much is because it's all about the family, right? Like in the 1990s, they released this thing called the family the family a proclamation to the world. And it's like this super family centric thing that if you get divorced, uh, you know, your kids will get, uh, you know, autism and, you know, your whole life will be <laughs> fucked up. You'll lose your house. And then the only person that you're going to get married to is a drunk, abusive, um, asshole, Mr. Uncle Buck. So, <laughs> so, so you think this is like a cautionary tale for the, for the mom? Oh yeah, absolutely. Definitely. All right. No, that's a, that's a really interesting twist. Yeah. If you're, if you're married to a good, a man that is a priesthood holder and can bring home enough of a paycheck to survive on, deal with whatever shit you have to deal with because everybody else out there is just a drunken fuck up that will uh, kill your kids eventually. You know what? That Honestly, that brings so much of this movie into light if you look at it that way. <laughs> That's yeah. what I tell Anna before she leaves the house every morning, so I'm glad that I'm, glad that I'm not alone on that. Just, just letting you know. 
<laughs> Anyone else will kill your kids. You gotta have you gotta have uh, Cipher in the Snow on autoplay just in case. <laughs> I wave it at her on a computer as she leaves. Look, what? Look, see the see the dead kid. This could be your kid. <laughs> now make me a sandwich. <laughs> Who's gonna make my sandwich? Um, so then we cut to all the kids. Okay, oh, we gotta reinforce just how no, much no one liked this kid. So all the kids on the playground are building a snowman, and little Cliff wants to get in on that snowman snowman action. So he comes up to help. Sorry, but before that, he's swinging on a swing set. And my note is, just hang yourself from the swing set and get this movie over with. (laughs) Oh, Blake, it was you. You were one of those bully kids on the snowman, weren't you? This is your defense. You came, oh, you clever bastard. You organized to be on this show so you could tell your side. Well, shame on you, Blake. Shame on you, Bryce Blackalago. Yes. No, I stole Cliff's hat and put it on the snowman. I stole the hat. (laughs) <laughs> in 1972, yeah. So yeah, so all the kids are going to try to build a snowman, and he they won't let him play, and they steal his hat and pick on him or whatever. Ha ha! Your parents are divorced, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but I do want to say, okay, so I have to throw this out there. The, the one nice thing I can say about this movie, although the color balancing was terrible, generally in terms of knowing where the camera goes, the cinematography was actually pretty good. Yeah, and and there was yeah, this little moment here where like the kid is looking at the snowman and the snowman doesn't have a face so he gives it a face with the stuff that's in his pocket or whatever but there's this very obvious like attempt to show, show the blank snowman with no expression and, and and contrast it with the kid that they're one and the same and I actually thought that was a fairly potent moment from the, actually a good decision from the cinematographer that's the last nice thing I'll be saying <laughs> you're just finding the gems in the shit yeah <laughs> and my note on this was oh he finally made a friend but <laughs> oh crazy billionaire money i remake this short but he just fucks the shit out of that snowman see, i want the snowman to see i wanted it to all end with the snowman coming to life and taking revenge for him you know yeah like, you motherfuckers wouldn't give me a face jack frost 2 the mormon edition <laughs> <laughs> i also had the note oh the snowman is looking at him just like his eight hateful alcoholic stepdad does yeah right right That's exactly. nice, with button eyes <laughs> And now apparently uh, Frank, with all of his wisdom and knowledge, has determined that the cause of death was low expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. So so Frank, the math teacher, has looked at a few reports from this kid and said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I know what killed him. It was all these low expectations and shit. Once he was labeled, you know, yeah, death was inevitable. <laughs> exactly. What? <laughs> Because you know how those progress reports in third grade haunt us to this day, don't yeah, you? Exactly. Well, that that just brought to mind like some image of a classroom full of kids and a teacher's like, sorry, Billy, you got a D and the kid's just like, hey! shits himself and dies. <laughs> Fuck, I, uh, I mean, you're going to be the president. Oh, damn it. Uh, we lost another one. Too many low expectations. <laughs> and again, look, there's a good message hidden underneath here that you shouldn't write off the kid who's uh, having trouble learning because it may be something at home or he may be come from, coming from a, an abusive family. So there's like a good message buried deep in, within here, but the framing of it is so insane. You know, it's it's like you frame the Mona Lisa with a fucking dead body. Like, yeah, that's a nice painting and everything, but why the, why the flesh and bones and whatnot around it? I'm sorry, I'm just really distracted by the Girl Scout you cut a square out of to put this painting in. Um, can we talk about that? No, I want to talk about, look at her, what's she, what's she smiling about? Is it the Girl Scout you cut a square out of? I, I'm going to keep coming back to that. 
Yeah, because again, like, don't ignore kids, don't label kids, don't give up on kids is a great message. But that's not a good message when you've already ignored, labeled, and given up on a kid, and it's killed him in your movie. <laughs> right, especially when you're then going to show that to ignored, labeled children. Right, this is the little engine that couldn't. It's just like if the book was just like, this fucking train didn't make it up the hill. The, the little engine that self-destructed at the bottom of the fucking hill. Yeah, what a zero, that fucking train. So yeah, and and then so and then Frank starts to realize, hey, maybe I didn't do enough either. So he says to Peggy, he's like, "Do you have my eighth grade report?" And she says, "Yes, it happens to be sitting on the pile of papers directly in front of you." So how you didn't notice that is kind of beyond me. I guess it's the same way you didn't notice the dying kid in your class. So he looks at his report and he's like, "Oh damn it, I said that he had trouble socializing as well. So now there's blood on my hands." <laughs> what? You just have an image in your mind of that kid crawling into the window and reading his quarterly report and just being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to die. <laughs> <laughs> My note for this was, how can I read these keys? <laughs> <laughs> So, and then he's trying to make the point, he's trying to explain to Peggy how the kid died of low expectations, and he says, you have a kid, don't you, Peggy? Imagine that he was dumb and friendless and your husband abused him. I was like, that's a really mean way to make your point, dude. Can't you just use a general kid? Does it have to be her son? Dude. Imagine your kid was just a useless pile of shit, and she's like, oh, stop it. He's not, though. Cut it out. He's not. He's great. So, so he's like, hmm, I wonder, and then he wanders out of the room and then we cut over to that like late that night i guess the principal gets back from that very important board meeting and frank is still wrestling over the dead kid thing still hasn't gotten over it's been hours so the principal shows up and he's like uh working pretty late frank and i wanted frank so bad to say yeah you made me tell a fucking child's parents that he was dead and write a fucking obituary you sadistic <laughs> son of a bitch of course i'm working late Okay, but in my defense, uh, we figured out that we're not gonna move the gym. Uh, gym's staying right where it was. So I, I think we both did a lot today. That's all I'm saying. You seem mad. And the principal shows up. He's like, we got the coroner's report and I wanted it so bad to be like, turns out he had AIDS, you know, or something like that. You know? oh, oh, well, I guess it wasn't the low expectations. I, I feel so much better about my eighth grade progress report. Yeah, he now. drank a bunch of bleach that day before school. <laughs> But instead, he's like, yeah, Corners couldn't figure it out. His heart stopped beating. I'm like, well, that tends to happen when you die. Sort of a <laughs> prerequisite. And, and I was like, wait, it, so he died of cholesterol problems, right? Doctors <laughs> didn't, you know, they knew about that when this movie was made, right? I mean, yeah. it was like the 60s or 70s. Come on. Yeah, mid-70s. We knew all about, like, fucking how to ride dinosaurs and turn them into uh, uh, record players by then. Right. Um, <laughs> to be fair, though, he it actually wasn't the coroner. He did make the science teacher do the coroner's report. Oh, I see. Because, yeah, I see. <laughs> he was on his way out. He was like, hey, Dave, do you mind uh, cutting up that kid for a second? I got to go. <laughs> so he's just standing there with the frog dissection tools being like, his heart stopped? Good enough for me. Throw that zero in a hole. I need somewhere to take a shit later. I want to dissect his eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> but after this, like, it, it, I had to say, this was really impressive cinematography as well. Because um, Frank said that it's like he was erased. And then he stands up and he starts erasing the chalkboard behind right. him yeah fucking take that eyes wide shut i i wrote uh, uh erased little by little i guess this is the story of joe biden's vice presidency <laughs> ah. <laughs> 
And and also I love this too because like they 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 keep saying like yeah the kid was really slow he has had an IQ of eighty one or whatever but they the, but then they were like but his IQ was really good until we all started to hate him for having divorced parents like you know so like just in case you're terrified as a child that you're gonna like turn dumb yeah that can happen well here's the crazy thing watching this as a kid it must have been terrifying to have your teacher show you a movie about how your teachers if they don't like you can make you mentally handicapped and then die yes <laughs> like this seems like a threat this is like a movie like a, oh like i can't imagine did she turn off the vcr and then turn to all of you and be like so who the fuck brought an apple i'm just saying i'll, I'll lower your iq by 10 points I'll lower it by 10 fucking points right here. You just forgot your times tables because I don't like you. How do you like that? <laughs> it was exactly like that, only it was a Betamax. <laughs> well, and I was I, I was just amazed that the kid actually stupided to death, right? Yeah, that's that's what happened. He forgot how to let his heart beat, apparently. And and, and they're like and, and Frank is going like, I helped to murder him by being a bad teacher. I bad sure. teachered him to death. Make it all about you, Frank. Yeah, right. Beacase. <laughs> <laughs> but then the principal, at least for a second, tries to be sensible. He's like, come on, Frank. A lot of people are treated way worse than Cliff, and they don't die. I mean, what about those Thai women in my basement? In in uh, in people's basements. They're uh, – never mind. Never mind. They're, we'll use a different example. New subject. Here, quick. Go tell some parents that their kids are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you're our accountant now. Here. <laughs> Quarterly reports. Also, we get this great line here. He goes uh, – Frank says to the principal's – you remember that study on babies and orphanages to which the principal says that one study they ever did on babies and orphanages? I sure do. I sure <laughs> do remember that study. You mean the, the one they did in China where there's way too many kids and they can use them just like uh, like they study fireflies and, uh, you know, fruit flies and shit? <laughs> well, it, apparently because the study he's saying, he's, he, he says like, yeah, well, I mean, they had the one group of babies that they didn't uh, offer any love to and then just, they just gave food to and they just turned their... Faces to the walls and died. And I'm like, did they? Did they, did they do an experiment where like, I wonder how many kids we can kill like this? Nobody fed these kids intravenously or anything? No? Nothing? Apparently not. Ah, <laughs> oh, the 1940s when experiments were real experiments. Yeah. You had college students chalking each other's balls and orphanages full of half dead babies in the name of science. Science! <laughs> also, what was the point of that? Assuming that study's real, and I do not know that it is, but assuming that study is real, what was the hypothesis that caused that experiment? I think without love, you die. Hey, I got a dozen babies. You want to try it? Let's <laughs> fucking do it. Let's go. <laughs> I believe the study was originally created by a former kickboxer that was on... Uh, Marsh's show, not a hundred percent sure. You used it in Auschwitz. Exactly. So, and then, you know, and then again, like uh, an effort at a good uh, message here that the, um, the principal's like, well, what can we do? And Frank's like, maybe a little tension, a little love. And I'm like, okay, for just, if we just saw that one line, this is a good movie. Kind of. Right. Unfortunately, sure. there's all that stuff before it and after it too. And then there was an, another point of amazing cinematography because here Frank closed his his briefcase, so it's like case closed. Oh, a little shit. attention, a little love. Ba bum, Dick Wolf. <laughs> 
So now, and, and again, like I said, I pretty good cinematography. The camera was in the right place for the funeral shot. We get uh, Cliff's coffin being lowered into the ground. And mm-hmm. uh, then everyone leaves really fucking quickly. <laughs> yeah, there's it's there's no it's just like and he's in there. All right, All let's right. get the yeah. fuck out of here. <laughs> I swear to God, if I miss the early bird special at Denny's, I will kill that kid again. I'll dig him up and I'll fuck the shit out of his body. Eleven fifty five. I swear to God, they better not cut me off on this one. <laughs> it's worth ten of that kid's lives. <laughs> and this and this other kid walks up to him. He's like. Hey, are you Mr. Collier? And he's like, fuck yourself. You go fuck yourself. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go die. And he's like, wait. Yeah, hold on. Wait. Have I learned I'm nothing? I'm not going to let that kid die. <laughs> <laughs> and so then we get the ending VO, and this is the greatest fucking line. The, the Frank character, he goes, at that moment, I resolved never to forget Cliff Evans. I'm like... You told that kid's parents that he died. You watched him die. You wrote his obituary. Were you in danger of forgetting that? I want to say Clayton. Uh, it's a C. Chris? Chris. I'll never forget Chris. Oh, fuck. I'm going to have him on my podcast and I'll accidentally call him Blake. I know I am. I know that I am. Right. Uh, and I had uh, one note in here. At one point they said it, it's like veiled eyes in an alien worm world. And I'm like, first reference to it being a Mormon movie. Finally. Oh, is that what that was? I wrote lizard people. Are we talking about lizard people? What the hell is that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it's like an alien world. Hey, that's where we all come from, from Kolob. Oh, so, uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So that was like, oh, finally, the fi- <laughs> ending scene we got it. It's a Mormon movie. God, that took forever. This is basically a Batman versus Superman, but for you, you're like, oh, see, that's a reference to it. <laughs> Right. That's from the Mormon video game that you get for the iPhone. Um, And again, like one more time before the movie's over, we call the kid a zero again. Like even in his I will never forget this kid. He will inspire me fucking monologue at the end. He's like, but he was a total fucking loser. A nobody. <laughs> Total a zero. Fucking loser. The end. The, the overall moral I took from this is not all who wonder are uh, fucking idiots that deserve to die by falling off of a bus into the snow. <laughs> Sometimes they just have a shitty stepdad. Okay, and I just, I want to reiterate, I know we kind of touched on this along the way, but like I saw this in first grade, and this is such a fucked up thing to show to a kid whose dad doesn't like him and has no friends. Like, it would have been nice to at least throw a disclaimer up there somewhere that says, by the way, having no friends can't actually make you turn stupid and die. Like, oh, just- well, you see, exposure <laughs> actually makes that a lot better. Oh, I see. I, you know. I just wanted a trigger warning, damn it. <laughs> but, but look, I mean, I got to say, because it's so silly looking back on it now to think that this movie actually really did fuck me up. But I have a new appreciation for the people who write to us and thank us for excising the childhood nightmares they had from thief in the night or if footmen tire you or whatever this movie truly fucked me up as a kid to the point where like it was still stuck in there when i realized what movie we were doing like i near i very nearly broke down like it was a really (laughs) emotional thing for me to revisit this movie because for so much of my life after watching this i was like oh my god i still have no friends i'm gonna die in the snow well, and that's, I'm glad that we can share that, Noah, because the next movie that we're going to review was that for me. Oh, 
It's so fucked up. Yeah, and it's like, it, they showed this shit to kids. This is what they played in schools to describe how uh, how much your life can get fucked up if you have hateful parents and complacent teachers. Uh, th- what, what was the good moral that a small child is supposed to take away from this? How are they supposed to benefit from this in their life, right? Well, well right. I mean, I feel like I, like I almost understand the idea of showing this to teachers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but yeah, but playing it for the kids in the class, that's just sadistic. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I, I don't know that I can say our next selection is more fucked up, but I also don't know that I can say it's less fucked up. So we're going to pause for another quick break. And when we return, we're going to add a dollop of racism to our insanity with Johnny Lingo. Frank, thanks so much for coming. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, a kid died. It seems like coming to your office is the least I could do. Right, right. Yeah. He said you were his favorite teacher. Really? Man, that's depressing as hell because I'm terrible. No, I know. I know. Imagine my surprise as well. Yeah, well, hey, you know, if there's anything I can do, just just let me know. Well, they're, act- they're glad you asked that. There is actually one thing you can do. Anything. We need you to break the news to his parents. You, well, why me? Oh, I got a meeting. I don't I don't think you can make me do this. Oh, oh, oh. We're also going to need you to do the autopsy. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, the regular coroner had a golf thing, I guess, so, you know. No, I don't know. I'm the math teacher. Right, right, right. But you were his favorite math teacher. Dude, I couldn't possibly be less qualified for this. Ah, what's to know? He's dead. You're not going to hurt him if you fuck him up. Just hack him open, take out bits, weigh him or something, you know. I, I, I. Oh, 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 sorry. Uh, last thing. When you finish that up, we're going to need you to take care of the witnesses. You mean the other kids on the school bus? <laughs> what kids on the school bus? Know what I mean? No, I don't. I don't think that I can do anything. All of this right. Gotta go. Thanks, Frank. Stop. Don't forget to go, those kids. <laughs> Welcome back to Being Back to the Gamcast, where each week we sample another selection from Christian cinema because it's the only way to make Eli stop watching porn. <laughs> I'm still your host, No Illusions, and still joining me are Eli Bosnick and Bryce Blankenagel. Eli, Bryce, sup? Hey, that's that's Blake Blankenagel. Thank that, you very much. Oh, Blake, <laughs> Blake, Bryce, and Nagel. My exactly. bad. My bad. Blank, 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 blank. <laughs> Get a real name, you white bread piece of garbage. Shit. <laughs> 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 Parents just put together six first names, and they were like, "Hey, we're in Utah, Marshmallow Squares. No one will ever make fun of him." They all saw that movie about kids dying from being mean. <laughs> Well done, sir. Trying to tell everyone that we were excited to record with you yesterday, and I had to sound out your name letter by letter, just going back and forth between your Facebook. Just a new surprising letter each time. So excited to record with B. Is there a G? Now there's an N. That's a Q. There's a Q in there. Then there's three Gs and, well, and a W. I love the, the title of the show notes, Black Cal Cal La Cal Cal. Yeah, that's what, what, what I titled this episode in our, in our show notes is Black Cal That's, I was wondering what the fanatics were on that, but yeah, that would have been my guess. All right, so quick before we dive into this little slice of what the fuck, is there anything that you guys would like to nominate Johnny Lingo for being the best at being the worst at? Uh, can I go with, uh, and I think I'm ready to say this, most racist Christian movie we've watched. Wow, that's a big statement. <laughs> a, I think, all order. I think this might be the most racist Christian movie we've watched. It's pretty bad. It's at, bad. at the very least, I think it's making a really tough, or a really, uh, 
hard charge at the most sexist. So well, and I would say mm-hmm. it's probably the best at the ugly duckling, right? So you know how like there there's movies or Disney cartoons that start out with this like ugly girl that doesn't feel comfortable, and then something happens and she's beautiful by the end. Well, mm-hmm. this movie kind of took that whole story of the ugly duckling and like cranked it up on fucking cocaine. And then it's, it was, it's like the Holocaust of ugly duckling stories. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is how Roosh V tells the ugly duckling story. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's so amazing about this movie is that, yeah, that's a pretty common trope that you start off with Sandra Bullock looking ugly or whatever. And by the end, she looks like Sandra Bullock. Except in this movie, they made no effort at all to make the chick not super, super fucking hot at the beginning. <laughs> right? Yeah, they just didn't show her. They just were like, they just like had her off screen in the sh- We'll get to it. But just like they figured, oh, we'll just talk about how ugly she is. And then no one will notice she's not. <laughs> The few times we do show her? Yeah, but I mean, but the problem is, is that even if you see just like the back right shoulder, you can tell she's smoking fucking hot. Oh, right. So I, I, I had this as, um, at best at being worst at consistent accents. And I never thought anything was going to give if Footman Tire you a run for its money. But holy shit, <laughs> this movie takes place on this, whatever, the Hawaiian Island or whatever. And you've got people with British accents, Chinese accents, Brooklyn accents, and just no consistency whatsoever. And it's the same guy with all of those accents. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like the dialect coach for this cast was just like, all right, everybody gather around. Unga bunga, unga bunga. Good, you're all good. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Where do I get my check? Over there? Oh, craft services. Granola. <laughs> Pineapple. All right. So uh, we're going to start this one off in an island paradise with a little kid hiding behind a, a tree and watching an outrigger canoe par- uh, pull up. And apparently that canoe is carrying the titular Johnny Lingo, which we learn when the kid yells, Johnny Lingo! and runs off the lingo is coming the lingo is coming yeah (laughs) music note this surf party is awesome (laughs) i had i didn't know those cowboys could surf Uh, i had i had a this joint is fizzling right Now, I want to point out, too, because we get the, as the kids running through the jungle slash credits, we get the full title here. It's called Johnny Lingo, Building Self-Worth with Others. Is that contradictory? That seems contradictory to me. Yeah, it is not the biggest problem with this movie, but it's a problem. (laughs) Well, also, by the way, that's the same subtitle I used for my Circle Jerk How-To series. So apparently I'm going to have to rethink that. Uh, sorry, I have to say, we got like 1,900 shots of this kid running through the forest through different angles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they spent forever. I mean, how many shots did we need of this kid just running through a forest? Amazing. <laughs> we get it. We get it. He's running. <laughs> He's yeah. running to right. a place, from a place to a place, after seeing the lingo coming. Yeah. So he shows up at the village, and everybody's out there, you know, villaging or whatnot, and he yells, Johnny Lingo, he come, he come. That's I'm not trying to do the racist thing. That's what that's the what, kid's that's line is. That's what the is. kid says, and that's how he says it. And I said, Mahana's going to be saying that that he come in a minute. Ayo! <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. So everybody in the village is super excited that Johnny Lingo has come because apparently he's the shrewdest trader in all the land. Mm. Except uh, Filipino Judd Hurst does not seem to be su- super impressed with all this Johnny Lingo bullshit. But everybody else is pretty excited. Yeah, I had Jed, I had Judd Hurst on a juice fast. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so and, and, so we're going to meet uh, the, this, this character. That's Mr. Harris. He's the shop owner, Filipino Joe Hurst, and also his assistant, Tolo, who is apparently the Filipino Eli Bosnick, because the first thing that we hear from this guy is like, he's like, uh, Johnny Lingo is there to find a wife, and he's like, well, he won't take Mahana. She has a face that looks like a stone, and she looked like she missed too many meals. I'm like, that's pretty weak, but uh, we could have done better, but, but good effort. <laughs> Good effort. <laughs> so I guess what we're saying is if you're trying to insult the slave you're selling off, use it through the scathing atheist, right? Yeah, Vulgarity we... for charity, guys. Come in this <laughs> And it's like, Mahana, you mean that, like, that disgusting little old scrawny 19-year-old bitch that looks like my taint? What? Why would he want her? It's amazing. Well, well they also say she's not – this is the exact quote. She says, mm-hmm. she's not young either, 19 or 20. Yeah, cobwebs in a vag by now. And I just wrote in my notes, whoa, rough. Because, <laughs> like, this movie was not made at a time where night, like, they're not being reflective. That's, everyone in the movie is just like, yeah, man, that's pretty old, 19 or 20. <laughs> well, it's again, this was made by BYU, so that is pretty old made in the Mormon world. It must have been his first wife, too, because they didn't talk about, you know, him coming through with all of the prices that he's paid for all his other wives. It must yeah, be, well, this is his first yeah, exactly. And it's like the most depressing and involved version of like a mail order bride process ever. Like he has to go to the, the island and he has to go pick her up and pick her out of a line of a bunch of other women and, you know, bring all of these cows with him to pay for her. like, God, I can't imagine. Just, just phone Russia already. You'll get one in right? a box. Sent to your doorstep. Exactly. It's like the Pony Express of mail order brides here. Um, so yeah, so what we're supposed to get from this scene though is that Johnny Lingo could have any wife that he wants, but apparently he wants Mahana, even though no one can imagine why anyone would want to fuck Mahana. We should also probably touch on Judd Hirsch's relationship with his assistant because it's real fucking bad. He basically turns to and he's like, Oh, Mr. Harris, you want me? Go bring her to cross? And he's like, Are you going to fall asleep with a big old piece of straw in your mouth? Oh, I would never do that, mother. And you're just like, First of all, you're so many racist accents. You're so, I just pick one so I can focus and be upset. But there's just so many. Someone was just like, whatever racist you've got, I want it all in this character. But he, but basically the white guy's like, look, I know I'm not going to get any work out of you because you're a darkie. So why don't you go, go to the slave giving away contest or whatever it is you want to watch and then come back here and work for a penny a day. And he's like, Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> That's pretty much. And his it. entire job is sweeping. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Must <laughs> like, awful like every there. single shot, he's got a broom and he's just sweeping the non-existent dirt off of whatever shack that this this Harris guy is running. I I can't figure it out. Yeah, yeah. And no, is over Harris and over white? Again. Is, is he white or because yeah. he has like a a sort of like Chinese slash uh, Maui accent, but you know he still has like lighter skin than everybody and a white beard. Like I can't figure it out. He's it doesn't make any sense. No, he's the one who, like, employs the other people and is intelligent, so clearly he's the white guy in this movie. Um, so <laughs> then we cut over to Mahana, um, and we're going to meet – first we're going to meet Mahana's dad, who is wearing tit-high pants. Yeah, he's I, just come from a toga party at a fraternity, we can assume? Yeah, exactly, exactly, but he wanted the beads, I guess. Um, and now this guy – okay, 
So apparently that dumb bitch Mahana doesn't want to be sold, so she's off hiding somewhere. So we're talking about how ugly she is. Now, the dad looks like a stage two Bond villain. Yeah, his face is covered in burns. Yeah. Why is the actor's face covered in what appears to be a perfect circle of burns? Someone very clear. He was like, huh, this horseshoe looks red hot. Let me get it real close to my... Oh! <laughs> he looks like someone blast furnished a toilet seat while he was holding it to his face. <laughs> it's just a perfect rim of burns. And I'm not going to say that someone just because they got, you know, toilet seat blast furnished can't be an actor. But maybe you don't cast that guy as the one to talk about how ugly everyone else is. Yeah, but usually it's like with Kevin Spacey, like, they do the makeup to make him have burns. Like, they didn't even try to cover up this guy's burns. They were just like, nope. Wearing them loud and proud. Go ahead and so. ask about the burns. We don't know. We don't give a fuck. So, and, and, and we've got to, like, we all, the, the movie's already touched on this. I guess we got to dwell on this for a second. So what's going on here is Johnny Lingo has shown up not to choose a wife, but to buy a wife. Yes. To purchase yes. a human being for some number of cows. And apparently right. dad is so desperate to get out from under Mahana that he's willing to give Johnny Lingo 50 shekels just to rape her. Yeah. <laughs> and I, we, I should point out here, in case you're thinking there's a tiny bit of good to this movie and that Mahana doesn't want to be sold because being sold is bad. No, Mahana is hiding in the woods because she thinks Johnny Lingo is going to offer too little money for her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and they're, everybody around is, like, talking about this. They're like, one at one point, a guy says, oh, Mahana, she's not even worth a three-legged cow. And you're like, that's the message that we're getting across now is, like, how much these women are worth. It's not the fact that, oh, we're buying, this is human trafficking glorified because it's on a Hawaiian island. No, we're talking about the worth of this woman being less than a full cow. Right, right. The message of this movie is not don't sell humans. It's like don't underpay for them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Spoiler yes. alert. The message of this movie will not turn out to be don't sell humans. No. The message of this movie will be overpay for humans and they'll feel great about themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's and then they can it. tell all of their friends how much that they were paid for and it makes them feel good about themselves. Yeah, yeah, and this is the first time I wrote in my notes, because you see, so, like, Mahana is hiding up in a tree, and again, so that you don't see how incredibly hot she is, they're hiding her behind branches and bushes and stuff, but it's not enough. Like, my first note on her is, Mahana is not just a little hot. As a matter of fact, I looked up some trivia on this, apparently she's, like, Miss Hawaii something or whatever. Holy shit. She's like, they, they, they cast this beauty pageant winner as the ugly chick, yeah. Also, none of the actors can agree on how her name is pronounced, she's Mahana, Manana, Manana, all kind of shit before it's over. Malaka laka la la la. Yeah, blocka laka laka. <laughs> exactly. Her dad is threatening to hit her with a stick if she mm -hmm. doesn't come down from the tree so he can sell her. Yeah. Uh, and the music note I have for this sequence is nobody will catch me. I'm the sexiest mouse. <laughs> <laughs> And apparently this is like a big deal on this island. You know, when a human being is being sold into bondage, everyone wants to gather around and see. Well, and and it's amazing because the dad is like, he talks about how hard he has it because his daughter Mahana is so fucking ugly, right? 
He's like, he's yeah. talking to his, his counselor or his buddy and he's like, you just don't know what it's like. You paid five cows for your wife. You know, you made a good investment, but you know, you don't know what it's like to have a really shitty, ugly daughter that you can't even, you know, pay somebody to take off of your hands. And he says, I only paid two cows for my wife. That's why she gave me this fucking ugly daughter. <laughs> and everyone's just like, yeah, man, that's a good point. We're never going to acknowledge this behavior. And Johnny Lingo shows up. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, yeah, so Johnny Lingo shows up to do the bargaining or whatever. And they're like, well, where's Mahana? And, of course, they can't tell her, like, she's hiding because she doesn't think she's worth more more than two cows or whatever. So they're like, oh, she's... Sewing sexy lingerie for her husband or something. She's masturbating with lesbians, you know, or whatever. (laughs) So now, wait, we do have to touch on something that is fantastic about this movie because there's not a lot of good things about this movie. Oh, no. But Johnny Lingo is a fine, fine cut of meat. Oh, my God. Yes, he is. He looks like someone... It looks like someone made a wish that Yul Brenner would come back to life, but they poured bronzer into the genie's lamp. He <laughs> is just a sweet, sweet hunk of flesh. He can lingo my Johnny anytime he wants to. <laughs> I would pay at least a few squirrels to have him fuck me. That's how gorgeous Yeah, how many cows is. for Johnny lingo? <laughs> He does look like he should be crossing the Rubicon at some point in this movie. But yeah, good looking dude. Good looking dude. So they, he shows up. They all gather around on the mats together. All of the people around are, are talking about how few cows Mahana is worth. And by the way, like Mahana is the only not grossly overweight woman that we're going to see in this entire. Well, with one exception, like all the other women are just gigantic. And, you know, they, they feel good about themselves. That's great or whatever. But the two fat chicks can't be sitting around talking to this about the skinny chick going like, mm, I was worth three cows. I was worth four cows. She's not going to be worth any cows. Right. You know, you are a cow. And it's like these women were like, yeah, I was a four cow wife because I was sold for four cows and then I ate them on my honeymoon night. And now you see what happens. <laughs> they determine how many cows you're worth by how many you can swallow. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, and then you see like you see the exact message that the movie is trying to get across because you have one woman that was like, oh, ho, 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 I'm a four cow wife. And then this other lady was like, well, my husband paid five cows for me, bitch. Yep. And the first woman shoots herself in the head. Yeah, right. She goes and <laughs> dies in the snow somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she uh. wanders out of frame and there's just suddenly snow on the Hawaiian island. She face plants and dies. Oh, where's that billionaire remake? Crazy billionaire yeah, money. Yeah, a little crossover mo- movie between oh, the two. A smash up, yes. It'd be perfect. <laughs> So now that it's time to start the bidding and he, uh, Mahana's dad has to start with the opening bid and everybody, we cut to the peanut gallery and they're all going, if he goes over one cow, he's crazy. Oh, one cow. She's not worth one cow. She's only worth the horns and the hoofs or whatever. And so Mahana's dad starts the bidding at three cows and everyone laughs like a naked in high school dream. You know, I expected Mahana to go like, they're all going to laugh at you. Get psychic powers, start throwing <laughs> huts around at people. <laughs> Better movie than we get. However, Johnny Lingo, who's the shrewdest trader in all the land, which we've learned like 11 times by now, says three cows isn't enough. He will pay eight 
cows from a Honda. Ooh, eight cows. Drop that fucking mic. The crowd goes wild. Right? Oh, eight cows. Oh and my the music God. reacts like he says, I was the killer all along. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, no, my music <laughs> note is a decapitated head is being zoomed in on really quickly. <laughs> right. And then, it, like, everybody's just, like, looking around like, what the fuck just happened like he paid eight cows for that bony fugly mouse woman standing over there behind the trees like who's yanking whose dick here like who got fucked and how bad what what just now happened but the fucked up thing though is that they're all freaking out but not because a human being was just sold for cows not because a human being's being sold just how many cows she was sold for these people are having a black people who have seen a magic trick reaction <laughs> to the fact that someone is being sold for eight cows <laughs> And I have to say, like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a car nerd. Like, I love cars, right? And it's always been my dream to just walk into a, like, super sweet car dealership and just drop a briefcase full of cash on it and just say, hey, no paperwork. Give me the keys to that one. I'm driving it off the lot right now. Like, that's my dream. And that's what Johnny Lingo just did with a wife, mm -hmm. with a woman. He just bought a human that way. Yeah. It's yeah. funny. I've also had that dream, but it's been with a human. So it's, this movie was very <laughs> cathartic for me. I was just walking with a briefcase full of cows and just be like, boom, eight cows in that briefcase. See, I was, I was the other way around. I had that fantasy about trading a certain number of women for a cow. I, it's, but we've, but we've all more or less been there. So, so now we, uh, we head back to Mr. Harris's shop where Tolo has to tell him that she got, that, uh, Johnny Lingo paid eight cows for this human being. And again, everyone's really freaked out, but not because of slavery. And that's when Johnny Lingo shows up, uh, to explain to Mr. Harris that he brought him a very, very rare shell. Mm hmm. Yeah, those are very rare when you live on an island. Yeah. Shells. And when he, he goes, he goes, what do you want for it? I wrote in my notes, I want to marry you. <laughs> can, I get, can I get about eight cows for this? I'm on the line He's, for him. He so. just sweeps up Mr. Harris in his arms. Him and Mahana just make a sex sandwich. I'd watch that. If you think I wouldn't watch that porno and wear out the tape, you don't know me. You're not the listeners I know and love. But what he actually wants is a mirror to give Mahana. Well, and uh, hang on, just just back a second. He says, like, how valuable is the shell? And Johnny Lingo was like, it's, like, so valuable, you know? It's, like, the most valuable shell that there ever was. Like, I, I have all the best shells, and I was working with this guy, and we found these shells, and they were so hard to find. Like, I, he doesn't even, like, know what the shell is or no. anything, but he's just like, oh, oh, okay, then. He's the Donald Trump of se shell salesman. He's just like, look, my shells are fantastic shells. They're fantastic. Everybody loves them. All right. I'm a very successful shell salesman. I'm a very successful right, and shell salesman. <laughs> and, and I'm going to make a deal with this shell. And then, and then Mr. Harris was like, no, 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 I, I can't. I, I'm not okay with that. And then Lingo does the bullshit bargaining trick of like the you're missing out walk away mm -hmm. thing. And then Mr. Harris is like, oh, no, 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 wait, 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 hang on, hang on. Let's see what I can do for you. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Amazing. So now when we suddenly realize that this is a fucking he sells, she sells by the seashore turned into a goddamn movie, he ultimately trades the fucking shell and he wants to buy a mirror from Ahana with it, but he wants it to be a nicer mirror than, than Mr. Harris has, which really pisses him off. He's like, what are you talking about shit about my mirrors, man? Come on, give me, give me a fucking break. But no, he wants right. a gold mirror with a handle and yada, yada, yada. And a strap on the back of it so he can put it on his head just so Mahana knows what it looks like to fuck her, right? 
I was thinking the other way around. He's like, like Eli said, he's a pretty good looking guy. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So now, but, but we also learn in this, in this moment that he's very proud that everyone has already heard how much he paid for his wife, you know? So apparently this is just like, yeah, you know, it's like dropping money on rims. There's no reason for it except for everyone to see that you paid a lot of money. Well, and and he, it's like he's was like all this time they've been building it up like he's the cutthroat son of a bitch walking around town, right? And he's but why did he pay so much for like a Hawaiian Megan Kelly with a stomach worm? Like I don't get it. <laughs> it well, at the end we'll figure out why. <laughs> so, and again, now, once again, we go back to Mahana and she doesn't want to come out. And it's not because she doesn't want to be sold into sex slavery. It's Mm-mm. because she doesn't think he's really going to show up with the eight cows. Yeah. Right. And her dad is like, if, if Lingo would have just raped you in front of me and then spit in my face and then taken you away, I could die a happy man. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> like he's doing whatever he can do to offload this ugly whore of a daughter of his. Yeah. And she's really convinced that he's only going to bring like a cow and a half and be like, look, take it or leave it. Ah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. But sure enough, comes wandering through the jungle, not just one cow, but all eight cows. And he comes wandering out and he's making this weird noise. He's like, Quaho, ha. He's just like slapping the cows as they go. It's fucking nuts. Also, okay. I got a, I got a point that when we last saw Johnny Lingo showing up on the island, he was in an outrigger canoe. How the fuck did he get eight cows? He had eight cows in his canoe with him. They swim alongside. It makes it's no like sense. It's like a logic puzzle. And so he can bring oh. one of the cows, but not the fox. Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. You have to figure it out. That's why it took so long for him to get there, I guess. Uh, he just went to somebody, some other like rich cow owner guy on the island and was like, I have another shell here. It's the best shell. It's going to be worth eight cows. Just give me eight cows and oh, I'll give you this awesome shell. That guy wanted a mirror for his eight cows. I, it all makes sense now. Yeah. And then he's going to trade Mahana for a shell later on and, and it just keeps going. I see. So now he shows now. So now Johnny gets his wife and we have this like reaching into the room and grabbing her hand. And I'm like, don't forget to get a receipt, dude. Get a receipt. (laughs) Anything else I can get you today? Uh, I've got a son. I don't know if you're into that as well, but you've got a couple of chickens. I can give you him. No? All right. Fine. Would you like a bag? Paper or plastic? He just like puts a paper bag over her head. (laughs) And then the the father, like the father motions to him and he's like, you may enter, right? He doesn't say anything. And it's like, you may enter in every sense of the word, right? right? And then Johnny Lingo looks at her. He's like, oh yeah, there is no safety word for you, bitch. I'm going to turn your body into a a single tunnel from your mouth to your asshole. Just wait. You're going to be a one woman human centipede. Come on, I paid for you. <laughs> Get on the canoe. It's time for a wedding celebration. Yeah, so we cut over to the wedding <laughs> celebration, and I and I just wrote in my notes, I would pay a lot of cows for that lead dancer. I mean, I'm not. It's, it's their custom. It's their culture. I don't want to judge it. I'm just but- being respectful, right, Reza? Reza gets it. <laughs> Excuse me for not being racist. Now I'm going to pay cows for a human. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, and then all that we get, you know, she's she's hanging out. Johnny Lingo needs to go take a squirt or whatever, and um, 
while he's gone, all the little village kids sneak up to say a mean poem about how Mahana's not worth eight cows, and she starts crying, again, not because she's being sold as property. Because they said a mean poem. And I would pay anything to watch the creative meeting of those kids as they write that mean poem. <laughs> like, they're all sitting around, and it's like, come on, guys, we need to do this. We're really trying to get this together. Okay, uh, not worth eight She's going to be late. God, I'm not getting this. Oh, I'm not getting, you know, we need Chinese food. We need Chinese food. Let's get back to this. <laughs> Just a bunch of nine-year-olds sitting around smoking pot. Why do poems even need to rhyme, man? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we should start a band. We should start a fucking band. All right. Mahana wishes she could jump high like a frog. Damn it. Damn it. God damn it. Get nothing. That's the other movie. And, and I said that those... These kids must have come from a one cow mother because they're just a bunch of horrible, ugly little kids, right? Um, I, I don't know how you <laughs> calculate the value of children, but, uh, oh, ah! I'm proud. Oh, God. I'm very proud. Um, so then Mr. Harris looks, uh, shows up looking like he should be hunting King Kong. Or Johnny Lingo. Like, I expected him to be like, Johnny Lingo, I have that mirror if you can survive for the next 24 hours. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I wrote, Mr. Harris doesn't always drink beer, but when he does, he drinks Dos Equis. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I guess he's come to congratulate the newlyweds, but it's too late. They're off fucking, I would assume. It was so weird, too, because when Mr. Harris walks up to... to, Mahana's dad he's like where are they and he points to where they are and it looks like he does it with a dildo in his hand like go back and watch this it looks like this dude has a dildo and he points to where they are with like where they are with Mr. Harris it's unbelievable I was like what is he going to use that for is he eating off of that what is where is that going to come <laughs> I got to say it's going to take a lot more than the promise of a dildo to make me watch this again but yeah so they're they're <laughs> paddling off to honeymoon island or whatever I have uh, my music note here is an anthropomorphized animal is putting its kids to bed (laughs) (laughs) well and they're taking off and i'm like oh yeah she's about to learn what eight cow wives have to do to earn those eight cows (laughs) (laughs) it's like yeah don't cry when those kids are are making fun of you you're gonna need those tears later tears are the best lube (laughs) so (laughs) so now apparently it's much later they don't even give us a title screen like a three months later or whatever we're just supposed to catch up and I guess they're back from their honeymoon, and Mr. Harris is going to go deliver that mirror he got for him. But not before we get some more racism, because what's-his-name is oh, still he- sleeping, <laughs> and he's like, now, when I leave, don't you go to sleep in here. And he's like, oh, you know I'm going to mess And you're just like, again, I don't know what your accent is, but it's upsetting. <laughs> it's upsetting. So, yeah, he leaves the lazy native in his loincloth to fall asleep behind the counter as he goes to deliver Johnny Lingo the mirror he bought. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so when he's showing up at Johnny Lingo's house, the first thing we see is Mahana's dad storming away, yelling at him. He's like, you cheat me. She worth 10 cows. And again, those are the actual lines. I'm not I'm not just leaving out all the fucking apostrophes. They did it. And as as he's storming off, I'm like, oh, I knew that somebody got fucked in that a cow deal. I knew somebody had to. That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. The father got fucked. I got it. Judging by the look of dad, I'm sure those cows probably got it, too. <laughs> and I said, the mirror is perfect when Johnny Lingo, like, picks it up and looks at it. It's perfect. It's going to fit right in there. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Mahana, start stretching. <laughs> 
right? And then she's like, uh, and she's like, you give me such a good gift, but I have nothing to give you. And I'm like, yeah, your gift to me can be seen by whoever does your next pap smear. Yeah, I wrote, your gift to me is dat ass. But yeah, so she, she walks out. Uh, like we haven't seen her yet and this is the big reveal she walks out and not only is she gorgeous which we knew before but we're actually allowed to see her with the camera but she speaks English with no accent <laughs> yeah that changed you give a woman enough cows and she learns a midwestern dialect <laughs> and and the fuzzy edge filter on the camera oh that oh, turned yeah. it up a notch I was like lubing up ready to go finally we got <laughs> something good to go off of here and Johnny Lingo says such, again, it's such so close to a nice message. He says, I have loved her ever since we were children. She has always been beautiful. And I was just like, that's such a nice thing to say about someone you haven't bought. <laughs> you haven't right. purchased. What a lovely thing to say about someone who's not, in essence, a slave who you <laughs> raped. Right. I, I mean, okay, first of all, like this whole like, oh, wow, now she's gorgeous thing. It's like, that's because she's not hiding behind a tree. But the other thing is this, that the message that he's trying to send here, he's like, just think about how much self-esteem you give a person when you say their value is equivalent to some number of cows. <laughs> How did this not get nixed at the fucking meeting? How did this, how did somebody not say, you know what? Why don't we just make it that like she decided to marry him or something? No, no, it's gotta be bought her for cows. Well, because they pulled in some terrified Mormon woman who was on her 17th baby and was just excited not to be pushing something out of her vagina. And they were like, hey, uh, Helen, in between baking, do you think this is bad? And she was like, it's, if someone doesn't make me have a baby, I'll say whatever you want. This is great. <laughs> I love this movie. Is anyone in this movie pregnant? And they were like, no. And she was like, great. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> Are they making a marshmallow square or having to ostracize their gay son? No, it's a fucking masterpiece. I'll yeah, take it. It's the best Mormon movie of all time. See, women but, like it. But it's, you're right. It's so close to a good message. I mean, e Lingo is even like, you know, try to empathize, right? He's like, think of what it must feel like to be a woman and to be bargained for. And it's like so, so close to being a good message, but no. And he says, many things can happen to make a woman beautiful. And what he's talking about is the feeling of self-worth, which again is a really important and useful and good message if it's not about your sex slave. <laughs> well, what, because look, by inherently, okay, in the term self-worth, there's an implication that you're not worth a number of cows. I mean, that's what <laughs> self-worth is. It's like, self -worth. I'm worth something regardless of that. But no, his message is, I wanted her to be an eight-cow woman. And I mean, that sounds kind of sexy, but that's not how they mean it. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Anyway, very bizarre effort at a good message. Right. And it's like, okay, so Johnny Lingo wasn't a vain asshole for his own reasons. He was just a conniving vain asshole instead. He just put a little bit more thought into it, right? Good on I, him. I, Good on him. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, and, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, the moral of this story seems to be overtip the ugly stripper. I don't get it. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Overtip the ugly stripper. Yeah. That's what this movie for children is. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I think I think it's a little bit more utilitarian than that, right? Like, um, you know, Johnny Lingo's like, I wanted her to be an eight cow woman so I could stand fucking her, and he's like, you know, have you ever fucked a, a one cow, yeah, like a one cow wife, Mister Harris? They cry way too much, am I right? Now I can like fit almost eight cows in all of her various orifices. That's what I wanted her for. <laughs> That's why I needed all eight cows. <laughs> <laughs> So and and that's how the movie ends. Basically, the movie ends with them looking at how hot she is. And 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 again, like even if you set aside the eight cow woman thing, the the fact that they're bargaining with her for cows, just the simple fact that it's like, oh, she's ugly, she's ugly, she's ugly. Oh, now she's pretty and everything's okay. That's still a pretty fucked up message. Oh, like, right. even if you take the slavery part of it out, it's still a bad effort and a good message. <laughs> All right. So you guys ready for the most fucked up thing about this movie? Apparently, it was remade into a feature-length movie in 2003. Mm-hmm. Oh! <laughs> I, I, I was looking up, trying to find some trivia on uh, IMDb, and apparently in 2003, the movie The Legend of Johnny Lingo came out. I double-checked, and like it's got like a, a cast listing for young Mahana and grown-up Mahana and everything. So I think that that movie was just so inspiring to some Mormons that they said, yeah, we got to do 90 minutes on this. They were like, I want more of this story. Let's what? do it. <laughs> This is what happens when we give them an entire state, people. It should have been Israel. <laughs> the church finally came in with the crazy billionaire money and was like, how fucked up is this movie? Let's just try to make it even more fucked up and feature length. We're going full <laughs> tilt on this motherfucker. Yeah. Let's do it again. <laughs> All right. So now, of course, normally we try to avoid like numeric ratings and stuff. But I feel like with this movie, it's j- there's just no way around it. Uh, so rather than asking you how many stars you'd give it or how you would orient your thumb in, rel- in relation to it, I have to ask, how many cows would you give this movie? Okay, so hear me out. I would give this movie 12 cows. Oh, shit. Because according to the movie itself, if I gave it more cows, it would become a better movie? <laughs> how many cows to turn this into Clockwork Orange? That's my question. Like, how many cows... Do I pay for this movie until I watch a movie made not for monsters? <laughs> if you told me all of Hitler's plans were based on this movie, I'd be like, mm-hmm, I yeah, get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. God. I love it. We took this entire fucking episode to go Godwin here, though. That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, I have to say, um, and from my perspective, you know, I didn't take that tack with it, right? Like, I'm much more sinister when I think about buying, um, buying movies to determine their worth. So I'm like, this is probably about three really, really bloody hamburgers. Not even a full cow, not even a full rump roast, just hamburgers with like worms in them. Wow. Gang raped by a bunch of Hawaiian hobos. So, oh, the the hamburgers were gang raped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There are three. Now, walk me through that because they now rape cons- <laughs> Im- implies non-consent. I want to. How do you know you're raping a hamburger? Take me there. Um, the three hamburgers are, are sitting out there, right? First of all, how are the hamburgers dressed? I'm just being skeptical. Oh, I just wanted, I, look, I'm just trying to get to the truth of this. I'm saying five minutes in a in a Hawaiian hobo's life shouldn't ruin the rest of it. Am I right? <laughs> Who's with me? <laughs> well, talking about just the mechanics of it, you could kind of roll it around. You know, it maybe no, no, no. They they were probably fucked before they were separated out into the separate three hamburgers, right? It was just this big oh, pile well, of ground meat that had a bunch of worms in it, and that's when the raping happened. And then someone formed that cum-filled pile of beef into hamburgers. Yes, exactly. Yeah, 
I want to meet it's that the guy. Hamburger I want to meet the guy who sees the cum filled beef and turns it into burgers. And says, you know what? We could make some burgers out of this. <laughs> we don't have to waste this. <laughs> we could, the worms are going to die when we cook it, guys. <laughs> you cook out all of the hobo diseases anyway. Exactly. What Bryce is saying is, and Bryce, tell me if I'm representing you incorrectly. What Bryce is saying is, eat your rape victims. Am I right? <laughs> Am totally. I right? Anyways, the, yep. it's called the Nomad Mormonism podcast or the whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got your name dead on, name of your show dead on. It's very good, very good, Eli. I'm not the host. <laughs> That's your job, damn it. All right. Well, Bryce, I can't thank you enough for hanging out with us today and trying to decipher all the Mormon lingo in these movies. Um, hey. and I, I, I got to say, just because they were short didn't mean they were easy. So well done, sir. Congratulations. You made it to the finish line. Thank you. Um, I, I, I would say, you know, thanks for having me on. But, you know, I don't like to thank people that hurt me this much. So um, I'll just say it was it was fun. But it was like. You know, it was like trying to stand up inside of an Iron Maiden while being, like, stumbling over drunk, right? Mm -hmm. And then after watching the first one, it was like, you know, that was like 25 minutes of absolute torture and then saying, hey, fuck it, I had so much fun with the first one, let's just go back into that Iron Maiden and try it again, yay! <laughs> All I'm saying, dude, is you should have held out for more cows. I offered you one cow to do it, you said yes. <laughs> You could have held that. You would have had a lot more fun, and you would have been better looking by the end of it. I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job. Just, just throwing it out there now. I, I'm a cheap, cheap date, cheap date right here. <laughs> so, yeah, three, three bloody hamburgers. Although I had no idea you knew what was in them. Uh, so, if if our listeners want to hear more from you, uh, where should they go? Well, they can find me a couple places. Um, uh, the uh, I. I host the Naked Mormonism podcast, which is just called the Serial Mormon History Podcast. Uh, of course, episode one starts with the birth of Joseph Smith, and then it goes on from there. Um, and it's been going, I've been running it for about a year and a half. Lots of hours of Mormon history there. I, I kind of try and do it like, uh, old style, uh, radio broadcasting entertainment type of thing, right? Where you just kind of follow the storyline of these characters as they develop through a, a given set of time. So it's a lot of fun. That's the mm -hmm. best place to find me. Naked Mormonism podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, all of those good places, Facebook and Twitter. Um, I also run uh, the Glass Box podcast, a secondary podcast, as well as uh, I'm I'm currently in the process of writing a book that is a deconstruction of the Book of Mormon, and that's hosted on realbookofmormon.org, where every two weeks I release more and more chapters of that. So lots of places. Oh, awesome. Just 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 Google last name Black of Akakulita, and you'll find me somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just just go. Just hit your head close to where the B and the L are, and he's the first thing that comes up on Google. That's, that's what I've found. And I, I've got to say to the audience here, no matter how fucked up you think the history of the Mormon church is, it is more fucked up than that. I, naked Mormonism comes highly recommended for anybody who wants to see the darkest depths of American religious bat shittery. And, of course, we'll have Naked Mormonism as well as the other links that Bryce mentioned linked on the show notes for this episode. Bryce, thanks again for your time, bro. Thank you. And I just would also uh, show send people over to the Scathing Atheist episodes that you had me on for uh, the Carthage Jail Shootout as well as the Mountain Meadows Massacre. They were really fucked up, but a lot of fun still. So, yeah, thanks for having me on for those as well. Had a good time. You bet, man. You bet. And while that does it for our review of Cypher in the Snow and Johnny Lingo, that's not going to do it for the episode just yet because we still need to get you all titillated for next week. So, Eli, tell us, what's on deck? The Book of Mormon, Volume 1, The Journey. Oh, this looks fun. So I watched the trailer for this on YouTube, 
this is the gayest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> right? I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean that it's a lot of shirtless men holding each other down using nothing but the force of their strong, strong pictorial muscles. It <laughs> looks like if this doesn't turn out to be gay porn, I'm disappointed. That's what I'm saying. It was a super homoerotic preview there. I got to say, there was a lot of shirtless Nephi. Nephi was looking pretty good, looking pretty hot. Yeah. And I, I, I'm pretty sure... Now, this is a 2003 movie, and, and it used basically real actors. Like, all the people have... IMDB pages and, 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 you know, they've been bit roles in other movies and stuff. So, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, looks like they got some pretty spot on special effects too. Yeah. This is also our first dive into true Mormon crazy. Cause. Right. The other one, we got a little bit of pre-cum heaven. And then this one, we got, hey, look how fucked up our culture is. But we're diving into the mythology next week. And I gotta say, I'm excited to see how deep this rabbit hole goes. Yeah, yeah, no shit, because if I'm not mistaken, during the preview, we see them on the beach building the submarines. <laughs> Pretty sure that's what we were seeing. I can't fucking wait. So with all that to look forward to, we'll bring episode 43 to a merciful close. One more big thanks to Bryce Blankenegel for suffering alongside us. Obviously, I need to give a huge thanks to all the Patreon donors that help make the show go. If you'd like to count yourself among their ranks, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash godawful and thereby earn early access to every episode. You can also help us a ton by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes and by sharing the show on all your various social media platforms. And if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out our sibling shows, The Scathing Atheist and The Skeptocrat, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts live. If you have questions, comments, or cinematic suggestions, you can email godawful movies at gmail.com all the music used in this episode was written and performed by ryan slotnick of evil giraffes on mars and was used with permission if you like what you hear hear more by following the links on the show notes for this episode thanks again for giving us a chunk of your life this week for heath enright and eli bosnick i'm no illusions promising to work hard to earn another chunk next week until then we'll leave you with a breakfast club close fuck you heath for not watching these movies (laughs) johnny lingo wrestled naked men while covered in olive oil it's just impossible to believe otherwise The coroner's report very clearly said Cliff died of AIDS. AIDS. (laughs) I gotta say something so that the last word in this episode isn't AIDS. AIDS. (laughs) (laughs) This could go on forever. AIDS. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. We are actuaries. 
In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News and World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you.